0: Hi, this is Dan Sepplin and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast.
1: My name is Gray Jones and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 106 for July 14th, 2020. Well, today I'm very pleased to bring you an interview with Dan Sefton, who is a UK show creator and showrunner, and also the co-founder of Seven Seas Films. It's going to be a fascinating time listening to the the differences between the UK and the US, how shows are created and run in the UK, and, and lots about the, the UK writing process, both uh, interesting to any UK writers out there, and also to US writers who want to learn from from how they do things in the UK. Uh, there's some definitely big differences, and in, in many things that we could learn. Uh, in particular, it's a very author-based system, uh, auteur, as you will. Um, if you're interested in more interviews with UK writers, I want to mention that episode 44. I had uh, an interview with UK writer John Finch, and in episode 80. I had an interview with a writing team in the UK, James Whitehouse and Hannah George. Look them up on the podcast site, tvwriterpodcast.com or any of the aggregators that you can find this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pilar Alessandra of onthepage.tv. Be sure to check out all the resources and classes on her site. And she also offers one-on-one coaching via Zoom. TV writer podcast viewers can get 10% off on any of her services. Just reach out to Pilar directly and tell her I sent you. But for now, on to my interview with Dan Sefton. Enjoy. Well, I am so excited to be interviewing literally across the Atlantic with uh, Dan Sefton, writer and co-founder of Seven Seas Films. He's a creator and showrunner based in the UK. How are you doing, Dan?
0: I'm good, thanks. Not to meet you.
1: Very, very cool. And uh, I, I really appreciate the perspective that you're going to give our listeners, because you um, are currently creating and running shows in the UK, and uh, and I know that you you have done a lot of those based on spec scripts, which is not necessarily the the style of how things are developed in the UK, and we want to learn all about that.
0: Okay, yeah, well, any questions you have, I'll try and answer them.
1: Okay, perfect. Now, um, first, I, I wanted to start out, um, because you had a sort of a unique background in how it led to writing, I've, I've interviewed over a hundred writers and I've never heard somebody with your particular um, story. You started out as a doctor.
0: Yes, yes, and I still am, I still am. I, I was, I've been there working the last four days in the emergency room in, in where I work in Somerset. So um, so yeah, and that was how, uh, so I started at about the year 2000, just before that. And I, I was in my medical career, I was a sort of a, a natural break point and um, I had a friend who was working for the BBC uh, who I knew through medical colleagues um, who was uh, a script editor. And I, I, we, just, we were talking about uh, the, the shows that she was doing. And I'd just come from a, a, a medical careers course from, from somebody who advertised in a medical journal to say, if you're not quite sure where you want to go to doctor, here are other alternative careers. Hmm. And one of the things that she identified, and it was very unusual for doctors to have she was a doctor herself but she did a course that was very unusual for doctors it was very kind of touchy-feely you know is that it was something i wasn't very comfortable with you know where i was coming from at all and she said oh you should be a you know a writer you, you clearly like writing and i'd done lots of writing as a kid at school you know creative writing composition and i'd always found it quite straightforward but i never thought you'd mm. do it as a job you know yeah and um and then she said well why don't you go on a course so I went on a screenwriting course uh, which was an evening course in um, in London and it was great I mean I, I, it was interesting that I really connected with it very quickly because I'd watched a load of tv you know a load mm-hmm. of film a load of American shows particularly at that time the, the American on uh, Channel 4 was showing things like Roseanne and Frasier Cheers you know really mm-hmm. big hit shows so I was watching them and seemed to come, oh, yeah, no, I understood what they were doing. And then I said to my friend Jenny, who was the BBC script, I said, well, I'm a writer now. I've done a course. I've done like sort of four four evenings, you know, so I could do this. And she was running, running on a show called Doctors, which is still going now in the UK. It's a daytime sort of soap drama uh, about a GP practice. And um, and so I pitched her a couple of stories. And she was like, okay, these are pretty good. let's would what, what Can you write a scene by scene? You know, like a step outline. I was like, what is that? he sort of said oh well you need to do this you sent me something like, okay okay so i did that and they commissioned a script so all like, oh, right fine wow. i'll do that so i so I, I looked at some scripts on the internet and i i did the script and then they handed it in so this is really good yeah fine you know let's you do another one i was like okay so it was ridiculously fortunate i mean literally the first script i ever wrote was shot and made right. <laughs> and um and so I, this is incredible fast, fast start and i was working on this show which was fun and it was because it was a daytime show and it, it was run by some good creative interesting people but there wasn't a huge amount of supervision across it so you got to do you know you've got quite a lot of creative freedom to have fun make some cute mm. more humorous episodes which is still happening today with the show it's quite innovative and um i just i just started working and then of course i had a, a whole different challenge to to, to go from Doing a show like that to, to write on my own material and understanding mm-hmm. like what I wanted to do, which type of shows I wanted to write, but it was a very w- weird start. And of course, ever through my career, the, the fact that I'm a doctor, I've worked most of the time when I've been writing. I've had a I, people have liked to hire me as uh, on medical shows, and I've created medical shows because obviously it's uh, it's 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 makes everything much easier.
1: Wow, and that. That is, I mean, from, from a perspective here, there, there are quite a lot of um, medical consultants on shows. So say, for instance, there might be a working doctor who consults to make sure that all of the terminology they use is accurate or, or, or that kind of thing. And there's a, also a lot of doctors and lawyers who will make the move completely into television. But I've never heard of somebody who continues in their profession and, and continues to write. Like that. That that is really cool. I, and do you pull a lot of the material from your real world world experiences?
0: Um, may I don't know. I mean, as very rarely would I go. Oh my god! I've got to put that in uh, because it. I found in general, especially for the type of shows that I am mainly working on, that the, the reality for me is quite a lot darker and quite a lot more nihilistic than the, the mm. typical popular medical show. So really, you have to sort of take inspiration for moments, but then retool it to something which is, has a narrative, which has a, a generally kind of, if not always upbeat, some kind of meaning to it. And and I, that's that's been my sort of takeaway from from working all these years. Actually, that most of the things that stay with you as a doctor are things that, are, for me, are very black and nihilistic and just hmm. you know depressing. But I'm aware that people don't really want that reflected to them on a in a mainstream TV show. I mean, there is space mm. for it, but that kind of editing, that kind of understanding that truth isn't always as interesting as a good story, I think is quite yeah. important.
1: Yeah, and there's, uh, in a story, generally speaking, some kind of resolution that's happy in the end, and that's, I, I imagine, not always the case.
0: Yes, exactly. Or or, or, so, or even some kind of, you know, a lesson sounds a bit trite, but, you know, the best, the best stories that people make in those shows have some kind of irony or, or or you know point to make in some subtle way which mm. real life often doesn't unfortunately
1: <laughs> yeah now now you you actually were able to achieve quite a bit of success in your television writing um how did you juggle that and, and did you did you move to uh, a point where you were primarily writing and the the medical was on the side or or how have you managed to balance those
0: well, I was always part-time. So the good thing about working in emergency medicine is that you could always work shifts. So I was working shifts maybe one or maybe two or three a week and then having the rest of the time for writing. So I found uh, there's a period when I, when I thought that people would only take me seriously if I was a full-time writer. And so I quit for uh, two or three years and mm. then had the opportunity to come back. And by that time, I would realized about the opposite was the case, that you are much oh. more interested in the writer if you had some kind of story or angle or personality or thing that a point of difference. That people could remember so then it worked very well and i, and I found it psychologically and creatively quite good because it meant that you know i would get out of my own way when i when i had to go and do a shift i i, you know, I couldn't worry about notes or tv or something you know mm. it, was, it was a bit pathetic but then at the same time once i'd done a couple of days of hard work and, and i was glad to get back to my desk and um hmm. you know have that life so that that balance i think is really good and i don't know maybe people who are writing i don't think enough writers do enough of it you know what what are you doing to get yourself away from the desk and that balance being you know having your like stephen king says about actually turning up all the time which i think is very important at the same time going and doing something to find material that's truthful and interesting and so that i always found that that was very useful for me
1: hmm. and so um in in the beginning you were writing these what we would call them here freelance scripts but um it, here, what what generally happens is once you uh, you write a script, you're shopping for an agent, and after that, your agent will do a lot of the negotiating for you. Um, mm. People here often will have both an agent and a manager. Manager is sort of somebody who helps them to manage their career, and an agent will sort of negotiate the deals. Um, mm. what, is, what is the situation with representation in the UK?
0: Uh, well, I've had... Um... The same representation from the, from the very beginning. With well, my my first agent was a guy called Nick Harris, who worked out of um, I think it was A.P. Watt then, and um, he was a great guy. Very sadly, he went to America, Very sadly, he died of cancer when I mean, he was very oh, young. So it was very, very sad. Um, but he was a good he was a good guy. I mean he he was gave me advice in my career in, in quite a, in probably a crossover way, you know. Uh, but what i didn't realize when i started was that how much of it i had had to be self-generated i had to sort of make my own choices i i mm. I, I yes going to getting, going to meet i didn't understand what a meeting was when i started i understand that people were giving me their time and and i had to perform and give them something back and it was an opportunity for me where i was going well i've written something you've read it you liked like you now come and tell me what you want me to do it's like no that's that's not how it works and when those lessons were quite. I was, I, I, in retrospect, I was quite slow to learn those lessons and quite understand what the business was about, mm. and how much of. As a writer, you are freelance. You are generating your own work, and and how do you do that? What what are you pitching? Well, how are you, why are you pitching to this person? Why do you think it's a good idea? Um, mm. And I think some agents do do more less less or more of that. Uh, but I think for me, as I've got more experienced as i have um had got my own company working with my company my, my current agent christine who was nick's assistant i've been with ever since um she's very much more about finding opportunities for me interesting opportunities than then you know then putting putting them my way and and i, I decide whether that's a good, a good idea or not i'm, I'm often wrong but um, and she's and she's a really good you know here um, and she, we'll discuss would discuss things but for me it was always you had to be your own manager you know Mm. you had to make your own decisions
1: so okay so in the beginning you you were writing standalone episodes um and so it sounds like especially when you were continuing to to work as a doctor you were writing just what what we would call freelance scripts here and there Mm. what would that look like like would you go to the show and you'd pitch your idea for the episode and they would say yes we like that write it or or how would that work
0: Yes, exactly that, Rudy. I mean, you would pitch, you would get a meeting with the, with the with the people running running the shows. You would um, pitch an idea for the episode. They would talk about stuff that they were doing with it. I think in this country, what's very what I've not worked in America, so this might be not hundred percent correct, but we do have a sort of a, a level of uh, people in the creative process who are creative producers, effectively, who don't actually write dialogue but do a lot of the other work involved huh. in storylining. Uh, character work planning series and so there is a there's a there's a a career and a world you can be in where you can be an episode writer on on a british returning series where you just you you come in you get you understand the show you pitch an episode they like it they will hand you four or five bits of stuff which is going on in their serial arcs for their characters you know and that you'll 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 do it Mm. uh and then you'll just write the drafts and if they like it that's great i mean in a little in a, in a way that like a american half hour you know comedy maybe may maybe done but there's mm-hmm. there's less of a room it's much more controlled from the central point where people go Well, you need to do this you know go away and do it you, you go in you go you hand it in and then people will say actually things have changed since you've been away we want to do this can you change it so a lot of your mm. workload is actually just changing altering things to fit the the span of the series and one progression you can have then is to become more and become a core writer they're calling a lot of the series so you're actually involved in more of the storyline decisions you're 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 helping to to shape the series more Mm. more towards an american showrunner but the final decision is always with a producer who's a non-writer who runs the show effectively
1: that is very interesting so so are the are there any shows that have a more Hollywood-style writing room?
0: It is coming. It is coming more and more. I mean, the the biggest the biggest issue that we always had, as far as I was aware, was was money. In the sense that there was never enough money to 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 buy people for a season and say mm-hmm. you're exclusive to this show. You write. You come into the office. You you sit. You come to all the meetings. You write your episodes as they would in, in the US. It was always on a sort of a part-time basis. Ironically mm-hmm. for me in the sense that you would commit to a show and maybe you do three or four episodes, as I often did, but you were slightly to one side of the, of the, of the process. And there are great advantages with, with that as well because you could be working on your spec screenplay or a play or whatever else you want to be doing. You can be earning some money as a working writer and you can be as involved as you, as you want to be. But if you, if, mm. you're, if you really want to be involved in how the show is shaped, then that doesn't really work very well for you. You know, you, you're, you're peripheral.
1: So the core writers, though, are involved with these these producers, and they're more involved in how the show is shaped.
0: Yes, exactly, and and that that relationship can be very very productive. I mean, I've had some great relationships with with producers, and um, who are effectively writing in my, in my view. They just don't write much dialogue or if any dialogue, mm. and and that becomes a very uh, you know fun and interesting creative process, very much like a writer's room, you know, hmm. in any other place. Um, but there are tensions in that approach as well, because again, they're not writing. So if somebody tells you what to write and they don't know how, if they if they tell you just do something you don't think it's going to work or it's very difficult, it can be a bit like, well, you know, that can, they can it can build tensions. It can, the tension is two different kind of, there's always like officers and men almost, you know, it's that kind of tension, which, which is, mm. that's where the, the cracks can appear. I don't think any, either, either system is perfect. I think there are obviously pros and cons, but, and that's, one of the, but that's one of the key differences.
1: Interesting, and, and so is it common for any of these non-writing producers to, to move to the writing position, or are, they, or are they very much delineated?
0: That's happened quite a lot more recently. Um, it's become a more common way in to be a writer is to actually uh, become a script editor on a show and then start to pitch ideas, and say, so "I want to write an episode." If you're well liked and I, I, you know are doing well, then that's often a way in. And then once you've done that, you can jump. You jump the, you jump over the line, and you become a writer. And mm. often those people are very good and successful at running and working on those shows. Um, it's a, it's a, not, not, a, it's quite a smart way in, I think, because it mm. allows you to get an inside view of, of how these things are working, and then jump over the, jump over the line, really.
1: Mm-hmm. And so now you you talked about how one level above that is definitely the showrunner, the the person who creates and runs the show. Like here is mm. is very much the the captain of the ship over the creative content. Um talk about for you when you made that jump and what that jump was like for you.
0: Um I wrote Well, I started to work on on those continuing dramas. This was this was 10 15 years ago and and was a core writer in, in, in a couple of them and you know was involved in it but felt it was fundamentally unsatisfying. and satisfying yeah it wasn't exactly wasn't where i wanted to stay and i've always said if that's where you want to stay stay there it's great if you don't move but just don't stay there and sort of bitch about it uh and I've, so i decided well i was gonna gonna move um a few years after i got one of the first original commissions i I, I, which was made, which was a show called Trust Me, which was on the BBC a few, a few years ago. And that was with a company called uh, Red Productions. And Nicola Schindler is the, the MD of Red. And she's an incredible woman and very, very talented and make, has made some incredible shows. And it was during that process, I, I remember it was, I'd, I'd written the episodes and they asked me if I wanted to come to the edit. And I was like, oh, nice, no, fine. You yeah, know, don't worry about it. And they were co- <laughs> like, sort of like very surprised. Why aren't you coming to the edit? I was like, well, you know, um, it's fine, you know, because before there was no point. You weren't invited, and they never, mm. never gave a crap what you had to say. And so I thought, like, oh, okay. And so I came to the edit, and I watched what she was doing, and she was writing down notes. And then I, I you know, I, I pretended to write some down as well, but you know, I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't, get the time codes right know, this kind of stuff. And, and then at the end, she was like, okay, right, this, this, this is wrong. This I don't like this. you need to change this. This is great. I was like, fucking hell, there's a whole, excuse me, there's a whole process here which I've missed out on which mm. I know nothing about, about how, because before I would just deliver a script, they'd go, great. And I would, often I would see it for the first time when it was transmitted, you know, mm. you go, oh, that's what they did, you know. And so then I went to the dub, you know, to see what we we're, were doing with that. And and that was a revelation to me. I was like, oh, okay. And it wasn't like, suddenly you're like, I'm in charge now. I'm I, I'm the alter. It was just like, okay, I've got a voice. You know, I, I can say, actually, I don't like this edit. I think this this could work better here and you get into the rhythm of it and mm. so it was that experience that specific experience which made me think ah, oh, now there's a whole level of creativity which i need to access if i'm going to create shows how how i want them to be created and also for me to feel i have got the best chance of being successful whether that's commercially or artistically or whatever and then for the subsequent shows that i've been i've been working on particularly one called the miorca files which is a bbc uh crime soft crime show uh Mm -hmm. also zdf in germany as well international um all the writers that we brought onto that i said well this is this is how we're going to work you can i want you to come come to the edit on your episodes come to the dub go to set beat the cast um discuss casting look at casting tapes again which i've never done um if if you want to if you don't want to it's fine just does a great script We'll, we'll do it but if you want to all this is open for you, and you can learn what's going on and and see what the what the wider process is in going from a script to a finished uh, transmittable piece of television. And mm-hmm. almost almost everybody jumped at that chance, really enjoyed it. And one of the writers on the first season, York Files, has had her own show uh, called Miss Scarlet and the Duke on A&E Network, and she was using that process because she was in the develop, early, late development process then of, of going, okay, what do I do? What how do I you know how do I talk to these actors? What do I do? What happens with casting? So, and then she really loved it, and so uh, that was the specific change.
1: Hmm. It was, it
0: was, a, and and it's, and there are pros and cons. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of the times I go, I wish I was just writing the bloody script. I just dump it on people because you're getting all this all the hassle. As U.S. showrunners know, there's loads of hassle that goes with it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm just thinking, God, I can't be bothered.
1: <laughs> 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 so yeah, actually. Well, well so, uh, talk about, um, so So now that you've had this revelation um, that you really want to work this way, tell me about the the, the process of when you um, created these shows that you created. Um, wh- when did you get the idea? How did you pitch it? What was the, the spec script like? You mentioned doing some spec, spec scripts. Um, how did you get these oh. shows off the ground?
0: Well, it, it was a process of, towards the end of working on holy city which is the returning medical safe on the bbc i i deliberately stopped doing it and then wrote a spec script which was a quite it was a it was kind of time travel slightly sci-fi um high concept script and i wrote it for i was going to pitch it as a pitch to people And i, I made the decision actually i'm not going to because i i know what the process will be it will be like oh we're not sure oh this could be interesting could you change it six months down the line you've lost any interest in doing it so i just started i yeah. Came up with the idea. I wrote the first four pages, showed it to a, a friend of mine and a colleague who was a good script editor. I said, would you like to read more of this? He went, yeah, that sounds interesting. Fine. Then I wrote the whole thing and gave it to my agent and my agent started sending it out as a sample of my work. And from there, I started to get a, a different level of kind of call to say, mm. would you come in and talk to this production company about uh, creating a show? Um, usually, could you do a medical show? Uh, but c- creating shows, original shows. And that was the different. That's the different process in the UK, in that you know you you start to collaborate with into independent production companies, hmm. uh, pitching concepts for shows to networks, and seeing if you can get somebody to to bite. And that involves them usually paying you a small amount to work up treatments and pitches, and and then sending them into to the to broadcasters or pitching them verbally to the broadcasters. And if you get a nibble, you will go in and meet with the broadcaster, and try and get that show into paid development so the broadcast will generally pay for you to write the script so then you are the advantages of the system are that you you know you're already kind of working creatively with a with a commissioner for a channel who wants that thing they think they do mm. at the time so you're working pushing it should be pushing an open door if you can deliver on the promise of the idea with a great script and storylines for the rest of the series you can sort of push you know creep closer and closer to a green light the whole time so, and that has worked for me on, on occasions. The Good Karma Hospital worked it on, on exactly that way, which we mm. pitched an idea of a hospital show set in, oops, set in India to into the animated, uh, to ITV. They really liked the idea. It went through several drafts, several reimaginations, but eventually they, the, the, the script got all the way to the top of the head of the channel. He said, yes, make it. So he we, so we, so we made it. You know, the the um,
1: uh, the interesting interesting thing about that huh. is that is actually uh, a snapshot of how reality TV is developed here. Oh, okay. Yeah it's, yeah, it's fascinating as you describe that process. It's virtually the exact process of how reality TV is developed. Not, I mean, um, the scripted TV is a completely different thing. Um, hmm. But uh, that's very much how how rea- I I just I almost wonder if somebody learned from the UK process and brought it here. <laughs>
0: I mean, it does it does work. I mean, the only I think the downside of it, from a, from a writing point of view, is that you um is that between concept and script, there's a lot of to and froing. And in that process, what you originally liked about it can get completely lost, and you could end up trying to do something which you never really wanted to do in the first place, and just sort of losing that drive that writers have to actually create something from nothing.
1: Mm. And
0: you can get just beaten down by treatment after treatment after treatment, which isn't really going in the right direction, you know, classic development hell, but never actually writing the script. And so I think that, that there's a freedom that I find when you when you write a pilot script just for yourself, you know, you can do it. And then you say, you're say you saying to people, this is what I think it is. Do you have any thoughts? How do we change it? Rather than lots of people trying to work out what it is in the first place. And for me, that really should be the writer's job. You know, the idea of concept, Style, tone—that's what you. That's what you're bringing to the party, and you should be able to do. Hmm. So, there is a downside to it.
1: Yeah. Well, of in uh, at 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 what point did you create your own company? And, and tell tell me why you needed to, how you benefit from that, what the role of your company is.
0: Um, didn't need to. I mean, part, mainly it was because a, a good colleague, a friend of mine and colleague, Simon Lupton, who's the co-director of the company, we've known each other for years. We went, we went to school together. Uh, we hooked up again um, when he was a commissioner of comedy and I was a comedy writer. It's like, oh, hi, Si. You know, good to see you. Um, but we, we wanted to work together. We'd worked together on a project and we, we'd had develops in the channel and, and hadn't actually gone all the way, but we enjoyed the process. And I think we both thought, well, we, we can with our own company we can actually widen out what we're doing the, the two things we can do is, is i can get involved in stuff like non-scripted stuff which simon's got a very strong background in non-scripted uh entertainment and documentaries as well as uh, mm-hmm. scripted comedy so i was excited about that he could get more into scripted drama and scripted comedy uh also we could work with other writers and talented people that we knew and 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 work with them and have more ideas than I could I could just write myself flying around so it was almost a sense that we can widen widen these things out um the other thing i noticed through through the you know working with channels was that really until you're the head of the company until you're, your production company is making the show you're always one step removed from the conversations about between the channel mm. and the show and I don't mind that. I mean, I generally have very good relationships with people I work with in, in, in production companies, and I'm very happy to let them let them do that. But I think once you've you crossed that first thing about, I just want to get a show made. You know, once, you, once you've done that, for me, it was like, well, not only, not only do I want to get a show made, I want to have it to be successful. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be hugely commercially successful. I just want it to sort of realise what it can be and not be, you know, or tr- try my hardest to make that happen. And that, mm. I think, for me, it involves being in the grown up conversation about the channel going, do you know what, this, this show is just not working for us because it's not getting the right audience. Can you do anything about it? And I'm always like, well, yeah, I'll try. You know, I, I'll, I'd rather have that conversation than just be not part of it. I think the understanding that this is a, a craft stroke art, which is commercially driven in many ways, and it has to hit some kind of commercial uh, um, target. Have to do something with it, and it's like, well, I think it's a creative challenge. How do I make the people who like this kind of show really love this show? Um, that and, and that I think you need to be able to communicate with the channel. The challenge is send you the audience feedback, you need to have access to that, you need to know what they're saying, you know, what's and all. Often, it's nice, it's nice instinct. You know, people want to protect the writer of the creator from the nasty people saying nasty things about their show, but I just felt it's easy just to have, have that face on and mm. go, okay, if this isn't working why isn't it working? What can I learn from this? Is, it, or is there anything to learn from this or is it just bad luck?
1: Very, hmm. very cool. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll come back to talk about a lot of the differences between the UK and the US and advice to other writers. Drivingfootage.com provides 4K nine angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second-unit photography. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. Avgearguide.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the L.A. area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital, so you can easily share with your friends and family. Mention the name of the TV Writer Podcast, and you will get 10% off your order. Visit avgearguide.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. And we're back. Um, so, uh, you... you um have worked for several series as a showrunner. Um and I, I know that you, you have mentioned a few times that you're comparing to how things are done in the US. So obviously you've learned about a lot of a lot of the way things work in, in the US. What would you say um how how would you say the UK showrunner template is different than the way we do it and and um what do you think we could learn from the way you do it?
0: Um I've not run a show in the US or been around or worked on a show on staff, so I, this is with that caveat. I can really talk about what I've, I understand about how you, you guys run your shows. I'm certainly on what, what we do. Um, I'm a big fan of American drama I mean, all the stuff that I've done from the very beginning of my career. But I've been looking across. This isn't just you know kissing ass, but looking across the particularly the era of. You know, sopranos, Breaking Bad, that's the golden age of TV. I mean, I was looking across at the Dexter shows like that, looking at that, that, they are really raising the bar. You know, those were the scripts I was reading. Those were the ideas that I was trying to pitch. Sometimes feeling very frustrated. That you're going, you know, this is exactly the sort of show that you're buying, you know, from uh, the US and, and lionising, but this could be the same kind of show, but you're you're not making it. So, so I don't think there's much that we can teacher i think i always felt that must have been evolved you know the most efficient way of doing volume i mean what what, the difference i think is we've never done volume we've always had it authored so most seasons are about six still about six episodes six hours which Mm. i always thought sort of had evolved to be like uh, just about the amount that one guy or one woman can write in in a run without going mad mad you know six hours you can just about do six and and, and keep the quality up and get it delivered on time more than that either you're very very quick and just probably you know got some kind of sleeping disorder um or or some other problem but yeah most normal people with a family and and responsibilities and just the amount of pressure it is can do that so i think i think that's why we've evolved so i think we're a much more authored system and and in some ways that's that can be an easier and more efficient way of doing it because with, with the um, with the broadcasters and the companies, they know what they're getting there. They've got a writer they know they can deliver. Six hours they can do it, we're paying them, great, we'll probably get it done. You know, When you start to factor in that person hiring people in team writing, it becomes a lot more complicated because not everybody can do it to the same standard. Then it's like, who's gonna rewrite? So one of the big differences is that, um, a polish the idea of a polish is not really very common in the uk i mean they it's very much seen as a mark of failure really if your script is rewritten by anybody and really yeah i mean it's very writers here get very angsty if anybody touches their scripts that it did everything's very very siloed which which i think can be good or bad i mean um I've tried to, the shows that I've been most involved with, with show running, which is the the, the show with Cosmopolitan, uh, which is the Yorker files. One of the things I put down and up that the manifesto that we jokingly put on, on our WhatsApp group was that, you know, being rewritten by me at some point was not a mark of failure. It was just the fact that we needed to get the tone right and that some bits might just not fit, and there might be time issues, and it doesn't matter. What I wanted people to bring to the show, because it's an episodic crime show, is a really good idea for stories and characters. If you can do that, that's the, that's for me, is the hard work, uh, hmm. which I don't want to have to have to do all by myself. I don't have time to do that. That's got a 10-episode run, so it's much more intensive. Uh, but that's that was quite new for people, going, oh, OK, you know, it, 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 we, tr- we tried very hard... And it worked to a large extent to get a much more of a team vibe with the show so everybody was Mm. reading each other's scripts we had more meetings people knew what was going on they met the cast they met the directors we were trying to to say look you're creating this whole thing not just one episode of it i think when the British system works badly it's when people just want i want to write the best episode ever of this and i don't care what anybody else says i'm not changing any of my stories you know because this fits with my episode and then everybody's going to watch my episode of whatever. Mm. And that's it. Not a sense of ownership of the whole, of the whole season and the whole show.
1: So do you, do you think that the American model could be adopted in the UK? I mean, obviously not across the industry, but if you, if you decided that you wanted to do it the way uh, it's done in this, in the States with a a full writer's room and, and, uh, and the process involved in, in that, could it be done in the UK?
0: I think it it has been done. I mean, it has been done on several shows. The difficulties with it are that the, 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 the type of money, with, when talk, just talking reality, the type of money you're talking about, as I'm I don't know the full whack at the moment, the understanding of you being hired for as a star of writing for a season in an American writer's room compared to how much money you would get or, or potentially you could pay writers to sit in the writer's room are not comparable. So British mm-hmm. writers have to be looking at um different sources of income they're always writing new specs or new writing new pitches for for their contacts within the industry Um, maybe they'll do two two or three episodes of a show and that will give them a a year salary but they'll also be doing other things that you know they can't commit to one show because that just puts you too much in a what's the word It could be a dead end. If the show doesn't go anywhere, the show doesn't get made as successful. it can be a bit of a dead end. So you're always looking around. I mean, other writers do that, too. But it's it's not you you can't you can't sort of get hired beginning of the season and go, great, that's my mortgage paid for,
1: Hmm. you
0: know, for a year. It's not a let's have a beer down the town. You know, everybody's happy. It's much more precarious than that. So so I think that's the primary reason
1: interesting and the other thing that I noticed in your in your bio is that you've done uh, a number of scripts in different genres you you worked early as a sitcom writer you've worked as a genre writer as a procedural writer um, mm. that kind of thing is actually not very common here uh, people are, are encouraged very early if you're a genre writer that's how you brand yourself don't tell anybody you can write anything else because they'll get confused about what what kind of writing right, you do yeah. uh, is, yeah. is that easier in the in the uk to hop between those genres
0: um it's funny people didn't know i mean i <laughs> i'd written i'd written like a whole season of good calm hospital and the commissioner ITV was, went, oh you've written a comedy Portis, is that you as well i was like yeah that's been out you know that's that's my show um and nobody cared but the um what was interesting for me was that I, I, I remember, I mean, part of my inspiration for wanting to do it was in the independent newspaper in the UK, which was ages ago, they um, serialised um, conversations with my agent, Rob Long's uh, book uh, about writing, working on Cheers. And, 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 that, and he was a co- obviously comedy writer. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a comedy writer. That was, that was it. That was my dream job. And then there was no, no work in the UK. As a staff writer on a half-hour comedy, there was one show called My Family, which was actually run by an American guy which did hire people at zero money to do that. Uh, but there was really nothing else. All half mm. our comedy was, and still is, generally written by single writers or teams of writers, very individual voices, they write the whole thing. So for me to actually get work as a writer, I either had to somehow manage to pitch my own mm. original sitcom and get it made, which was a hell of a tall order and still is. Or I worked on continuing drama shows, which I didn't watch much of. I knew about them. I watched them I'd watched them as a kid. I hadn't watched them for years so then I it was just really a sense of that's where the work was I mm. went I went there and it was great because I learned I was not a natural drama writer I was much more naturally a comedy writer and I had to learn to be a, a bit more serious I had to learn how to do that but then I found a lot of drama writers can't write a joke to save their lives and you know they don't <laughs> and and, and the, what I thought you know, the quite weak jokes I was putting in my scripts, people are going, This is incredibly funny. I'm like, really? You <laughs> think this is funny? You know, you should see some of the stuff on cheers, you know. But yeah. um so so that was that, that was really it. It was just that was where the where the work was. And then ever since then I've always been uh the sort of person that I prefer to hide behind it. I don't want to be a personality. Why am I doing this? He asks. Um, but and I mean, for me, great praise would be, oh, he did that as well. No, I didn't know that was the same guy. You know, I I, I like that mm-hmm. idea that you can do different things. And I think that's a big dividing line between writers. I think some writers are very strong personality writers, and they write the voice and everything they write. You know, that's them. Mm-hmm. And there are other people who can who can move around a bit like between, between movie stars and character actors. And I, I was always much more comfortable being you know the character actor the one who was hiding listening and then producing something rather than having to be mm-hmm. here's my here's my performance of, of of me again in this new film or this new thing so mm. i i really like it but i think it's something which finds you what's your it's what's, what's your what's your personality but mm. i i do i do like doing different things i get interested about oh this genre let's research this let's watch all the best movies let's see how the best people have done it, and see what I can come up with
1: hmm. well and and one thing I wanted to ask you is because the the series that what we call a season um, are so much shorter six hours or so mm-hmm. is, is it a an easier entry point like a, like say for instance, for a younger writer who had an idea for a series, here there's just so much money involved in producing a, a season of television that they won't give that to a baby writer. Um, mm. they, they'll maybe pair you with an experienced showrunner because they trust them with the hundreds of millions of dollars that it's going to take to to make that season of television. Um, yeah. In, in the UK, is it easier for a younger writer to get their show off the ground? Yeah.
0: <sighs> I don't know. I mean, certainly there is an infrastructure here for a younger writers to be paired with experienced producers. I think our commissioners, our broadcasters, if they see somebody with a great track record and say, and say this writer's a great writer. They've got a lot of, in, a lot of great voice. They've got something to say. I, we'll, we'll, we'll get the show to you. Then I think that is the reassurance that the networks need, that they've got, they've got somebody who they trust, who yeah. has delivered shows for them before, who's, who's, who's back, backing this writer. And and that I think is the is the key. So it's not that dissimilar. I mean, part of the thing we're doing with Seven Seas is exact, trying to ex- exactly get that vibe going to say that, look, I'm an experienced writer. We've got some great guys that we're working with. And you know that I'll be able to help them with a lot of the stuff that I need help with, um, you know, if this show gets commissioned. Because there's that great mm. thing, isn't there, where you, you spend months on your pilot and then somebody finally goes we love this this is great can you do five more and you've got you've got (laughs) until May what you know and not many people can can do that Mm -hmm. and and I think that's what most people who are like young writers or want writers wanting to break in you know Mm -hmm. don't really understand just how hard that is that it never really gets that much easier Mm -hmm. um for me I mean having worked you know I worked probably nearly 20 years ish before I really got a big break and w- was writing my own shows. And when mm-hmm. I started to write my own shows, I realized this was all on me. Then I was quite worried and quite tense. And, but I kind of thought I can probably do this. I think if mm-hmm. I just keep going, if I, if it had been my first show my, in my first two or three years of my career, I think I would have lost it. And I know a lot of other people have had similar experiences, who had got got a break early and i've gone god it was too soon you know it was too
1: hmm.
0: i they couldn't often oftentimes they couldn't control the process and people would be helping them the whole time and then they thought you know that wasn't helpful but i was so desperate for advice and i was so scared and so worried and so inexperienced. experience i just grasped it grasped at anything hmm. now, and now, you know now some people have mature beyond their years and can get it often if they've got if they come from you know, a show business background or, a, you know, those, those are the ones who tend to mm. be okay, I think, because they know how the game works. They've seen their parents doing it. But I think the ones like me who came from no no connections at all, nothing, I think they are at risk of, of being swallowed up by the machine. And that's part of what Seven Seas is hoping to do is, is to mm. identify those people and work with them and go, look, we can help you and hopefully help you in the right way and not try and write it for you or, you know, get our own glory out of it.
1: So with with Seven Cs, do you do you solicit? Um, how how do you No, like, no, no. <laughs> no. I mean, how how do you how do you I'm solicit these, no. these 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 writers to come to pitch to you, or how, how does that work?
0: Well, we we just we we, we meet we meet people. Um, we meet people who are agents send it to us, and uh, we've um, got a good connection. I think with the northeast of England, where we we went to a Royal Tribute Society um society. Uh, we're doing a presentation, me and Simon and we met, I've met uh, somebody there who I'm working with who's a really good local uh, writer who, you know, was saying she couldn't get, she was funny, hard to get connection, you know, and then the fact that we came up to the north of England was a good thing and so she's been working on the York this, this year. Uh, I met her, uh, working with a writer I met at a, a script reading which I was asked to go to and sort of be a judge of some kind of thing and it was just a really good bit of material but um, I'm, you know, that's the one thing with seven C's is, is allowing access uh, mm. for people. You know, I think just access is important. I mean, it's a very difficult job and it's very competitive. So there's not a lot of slots to write stuff. There's not a lot of slots to be an actor and director, as you know. But I think trying to even up the access is really important. And there's lots of, um, well, not lots of, there's increased awareness of uh, the BAME uh, writers and performers who need access. But I think there's also... People who are totally peripheral to the industry, people who've got no connections at all. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that we like to try and connect with because, because that's very hard. If, you, if, you're, if your mum and dad have got no connection to the business and you're nowhere near London or any kind of production hub, you it, it, it can seem a long way away.
1: Mm-hmm. If, if somebody were to just look up your company and give you a call, uh, what are you looking for? Um, From a writer, like if I was a writer, yeah. I, I, I hear hear this podcast and I think, hey, maybe I could work with with Seven C's. What would you want to see in in a writer who was reaching out to you?
0: That's an interesting question. I mean, I think you know originality uh, is really important. Um, increasingly, and this, you know, I'm asking myself the same the same question all the time with all my own work. Is like, what about this is interesting? you know what about this is, is is new and interesting and innovative and what can we do to make it stand out because you're just looking at the competition not not because with the writers but the, the competition with the people and why would everyone want to watch this you know what you know so it's that people people asking themselves that question rather than this is my story it deserves to be told because mm. your story is normally quite dull unfortunately you because you <laughs> think it's because you you think it's interesting yeah. and then of course then the other thing for me is execution now i there's so much information available to people on podcasts like like this, like there's same, every script you ever want to read, you can read it. Mm. And, um, you know, every show you can watch, you can watch it. Uh, there are loads of books you can read. I mean, I read all the books because I was a doctor. So what did you do? You read the books. I read all the textbooks. Yeah. I was like, these textbooks, they're quite, they're quite short <laughs> and they're all saying <laughs> the same thing. You know, he says, oh, yeah. great, there's not, that, there's not that much to learn. And there isn't that much to learn when it comes to screenwriting. I mean, actually doing it is incredibly hard. But the, mm-hmm. the basic kind of, you know, technique of it is, is very straightforward. So why haven't you done that? That's what frustrates me. It's like, why do people mm-hmm. come with scripts that aren't formatted properly, don't look like another script eh, at all? And you're going, why? Why don't you just mm-hmm. look up online what, what? you know, a, a number of times I sent, I sent The Walking Dead's, sp- Pilot script by Frank Darabont out to people and gone. Look at this, you know, (laughs) this is really good. (laughs) You know, we need to try and do it like this, not sort of wafty nonsense. That you know Mm. that. But then, I think what you're looking for people who are, you know, professional, and there are there are people who are just don't. I never really want to put the hours in because it's Mm. they don't realize how, how difficult it is. It's it's incredibly difficult. It's just hard work, grindingly difficult, hard work much harder than being a doctor you know Mm. (laughs) i'll say that from my position i can say that it's much harder you know it takes longer to learn um emotionally it's much more difficult (laughs) (laughs)
1: because
0: this is your work it's not just random people dying it's like this is me you know i'm being criticized people are taking people are going on twitter and going that everything you say is absolute rubbish and we hate you um so i think you know you're looking for people with a certain kind of quality which is you know a, that that weird mix of of weirdness and a certain amount of professionalism and practicality mm. and i that's quite unusual i think that's why not many very people very many people are very successful at screenwriting in general i think because it is mm. it is there's lots of people who are good writers and, and write good poems and can probably write a really good novel or a play or something there's not very many people who can write and just deal with the kind of the general grind and practicality of creating something which has to actually be filmed in real life, with real mm. in a real place with real people holding real things, and and keep smiling.
1: Yeah. Well, one one question I really really wanted to ask is, um, do you see many writers crossing the pond? Um, do you do you see many writers from the U.S coming to UK and writing in the UK, do you see many UK writers making the move to the US? Um, and can, I mean, can it happen? And and why would would one be good over the other?
0: Uh, I have not seen many. I mean, we've had a couple of US showrunners come over and make shows on this side of the island. They're very, obviously very successful, very mm-hmm. successful people, you know, hugely successful people, stars. Um there is, I think, an attraction for a you know a quality American writer to come and write something authored. I think you'd have you'd have much more freedom to do that in this country mm-hmm. if you could get the script commissioned. And I think you'd, the process with that would be very enjoyable if if it was, you know, if everything was was flowing in the right direction. Um, obviously, lots of English writers have gone over to the U.S. and made made a big success. I mean, Patrick Harbinson was one who has worked on things like um, Homeland, and you know he he had a show here. Well, that's been the n- mid nineties, I think. Um, what I uh, what I've we've got some shows in development in, in the US, and I've done some work with US companies in the past. And obviously, what you realise very quickly is that if you're going to do that, you pretty much have to be over there. If you're going to show run, you need to be in Hollywood or wherever it's shooting. Um, mm. And that's something that, at the moment, with my family situation, I'm not prepared to do. So it's a case of maybe you would write something and then hand it over or you would you know dip your toe in the water uh, but i think if you if you if you do um want to want to do it i think you have to do it all in really and go and do the whole show and a thing and want to do it so it, it's a case of practicality really hmm. but I don't, I don't think there's any fundamental reason why you reason why you wouldn't i think that from what I've heard, I think English writers would, would be surprised how hard you have to work to be a showrunner in the US. If the, mm. I, I know from my experience, when you're, talk, when you're having to make a decision on a lot of stuff like props and characters and costume and things like that, I am I'm I'm often I often delegate when well, I don't think it's important enough. Well, that, that sounds awful. What I mean is, um, I don't feel I have to make every single decision because I realized that if I was making every single decision and, insi- and insisting on making every single decision, then it would be just overwhelming. So I've several set times just taken, you know, working with people I trust, I'm going, great, that's fantastic. I'll I'll take this set with Mallorca, you know, I'll take the writing section. I'll do most of my work in pre-production as an executive producer, but I won't be on set the whole time and I won't be in the edit the whole time because I, I know that other guys can do that really well and I can just watch some cuts and everything. I think that's, for me, that it's about pacing yourself, understanding what you what you can and can't do realistically
1: hmm. well we're coming uh, to to the end of our time here uh, w- where I usually like to end up is sort of advice to younger writers and and I guess in the UK context the things that you've learned over the years and and you've interacted with a lot lot of um, younger like people who are just starting out um, mm. what have you learned through the years that might help somebody who was maybe finishing college and and uh, and getting ready to to launch themselves in this industry um, as a writer, uh, what what kind of attitude, what kind of work ethic, what should be they be focusing on?
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I mean, my thing, the thing that I learned, and I think it's really important, and, we're, and English people particularly are very bad at this. I think is that understanding that you are in some senses the product as well. Yeah, you know, just having a script is not the thing people who are hiring writers are looking for somebody they can actually interact and work with. Mm. And that involves personal presentation, understanding what it is that makes you unique as a person and as a writer and and packaging that up in a non sort of naff way, but Mm. persuasive way to say, this is, this is what you're getting. Not only are you getting a great script, which I've written, but you're getting the credibility that I know the world. You're getting the fact that I can look you in the eye in a room And while I'm not, you don't say you don't have to be, you know, you're allowed to be an introvert. I mean, we're all introverts, but at the same time, you just have to have a certain sense of realism about your professionalism, I think. I think that's what writers do badly. It's like, why, if you want to sit in a room and not talk to anybody, then there's lots of outlets for that. You do a novel, do, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, but don't, I think people come, partly it's the glamour of the television, and partly it's the money. And they, and I think it's easy. And and I've always thought the reason people are, jobs are only paid well if they're hard. <laughs> you know, easy jobs don't pay well. You're working yeah. on reason. The reason on an oil rig they pay you a lot of cash is that it's hard fucking work, you know. And the same reason they pay successful TV guys a lot of cash is that even if you're successful, it's it's hard work and consuming. So I think it's being 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 aware of that and understanding what you what you're trying to get into, and realizing there's the. It's a crossover between artistic endeavour and practicality, uh, which I think is why a lot of lawyers and ex-doctors do quite well because they're they're steeped in hard work. They understand mm. graft when they have to graft and they have to sort of get on with the people because they've worked in a professional environment. And actually there's a lot of transferable skills between working in a law firm or in a hospital environment to working in a, in a production environment. So that's the biggest thing. It's like know what you're getting into and understand what it is, yeah. and then, then I think you know when it actually comes to the writing, you're really looking for something which is a, a fresh take on a, on a genre. I think. I think the ones, the ones that I don't think work, rarely work. There's never any absolutes, but is when you're trying to I'm busting every genre out. You know, I'm doing something completely unique. No one's ever seen anything like this before and uh, people read it they they don't get it like, it's too confusing you know maybe save that for when you've got when when people let you destroy your own career you know okay. <laughs> you know that, that point every writer reaches when you've had a massive hit where they just allow you to yeah. make anything you want and make that one and that's going to will put you back in the pack um, but it's like fresh take on on a genre so a genre that people can understand and hit it with a with a with a completely fresh twist, which is obviously harder, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what you're looking for. Like, what's the mm-hmm. fresh twist on a pop show? And you know, that those I think are the specs that really that really kind of cut through because people realise that you understand genre, you can understand how to hit those beats, you've also got mm-hmm. something different and interesting to say. So that's my advice. Look for that story. You know, uh, that's the uh, people who say that. Because, and then people, I can always hear people go, but how do I find it? You know, mm. and I don't think anybody can answer that. I think it's having it, a, having a, an awareness all the time in your interactions with the world, like reading the newspaper, watching the news, whatever. You're always looking for something. If you've always got your aerials out, looking for that one moment which allows you to, I could put those two things together. That's the fresh twist of a cop show, you know, mm. he's an alien or something, you know, or whatever. That's, if you know what you're looking for then you've got much more chance of finding it. If you're not sure what you're looking for, then you'll never notice it even if, if, if it smashes you in the face. So I think that is the advice I would give creatively, is look for that angle and just be aware of it all the time and, and just keep keep your aerials out the whole time, mm. stuff like that. And then also be quick. Once you've got that thing, be aware that everybody else reads the same paper, everybody else is watching the news. Lots of people are desperate for a TV pilot hit idea. So it's a sense of being being prepared to have the idea think about it long enough, execute it, get it out there, and then move on to the next one. Don't hide for 18 months in your room, Mm -hmm. you know, working on it, because you'll see it in TV Guide, you know, next week, and you'll be going, oh, it happens to everybody. It happens so often. But I think that's the biggest mistake people make, is like, how long should it take you? You should be able to turn it around in three months. Mm. Maximum. From having the idea, if you've got nothing else to do in your life, you know, having the idea to get in the script, a good script out. Three months, twelve weeks. Mm-hmm. If, you've got, if you've got a job as well, maybe you can have an extra, you know, two or three weeks. But that's what you should be trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then, and then get that one out. Move on to the next one, and then don't wait for it. Move on to the next one. Move on to the next one. Because you've got the great thing about it is it's like it is a lottery. You've got to be lucky. This is the thing. I, I, when I look back at the shows I've had made, so so much luck was involved right place right time people changed bosses moved it got through somehow it didn't get knocked off knocked out of the of the, of the, of the game but there if you've only got one ticket in, in the lottery you're going to get this, you're going to probably gonna get disappointed the more tickets mm. you can buy then the more chance you have of being in the right place at the right time for somebody to know what we need now is a cop show but one of them's an alien that's what i need right now and you're going i've mm. got it you know that's i think is the, this if there's any secret for being successful it's it's that sort of persistence is what's, what's needed. What what really, really did it for me was that when I realised that my standard, I was in the game, I said, I'm in the game, in the sense that I was professional enough, people reading the script, they're going, this is great, I like this, this is funny, this is dramatic, we should make this show. I'm in the game, and um, I, I now I need a bit of luck. Rather than So then when I got an inevitable knockback of, of, of something, I know I didn't sort of go, I did go like that, but did i wasn't upset for very long so i just thought well i'm in the game i need to i need to go again if you if people are telling you look it's terrible then maybe you're terrible and you need to learn more or try hard or maybe it's just not for you but if people are telling you um you do making good material then having that awareness that you just need a bit of luck now and that driving you on to go buy more tickets buy more tickets do more work then you'll get then you'll get it that's the important thing to understand. It's tragedy. People who are talented get knocked back once and then go, mm. it's not for me. I'm no good. I can't do this. That's a real shame because who knows what they might have come up with.
1: Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's interesting. I was listening very carefully to what you said, and every single thing you said there is 100% applicable here as well. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. And and I think uh, it's, it's very, very important to um, – point out that through all of this stuff that you described, you're continuing to work in the hospital as a doctor. <laughs> so I think people don't have an excuse only, only in terms of the day, time.
0: Only one, one, only one day a week. You know, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not a lot. Um, uh-huh. No, I don't, I'm not. I, I refuse to sound like an absolute hero, but without, I mean, I was. You know, that's not that's not the case. But it was a sense of, you know, that persistence thing is, is really is really true. I mean, it's it's it's. You know, you've know, you got to be lucky. And once you, once you know you've got to be lucky, like the acting, like how, many, how lucky actors are there? They get a role in something and they're like, hmm. it could have been anybody. You know, I'm not mentioning, not mentioning names in case I ever work with them. But so many shows, you think that could have been anybody and they would be a megastar by now. They were just in the right yeah. place at the right time. And once I, I, for me, that just makes you go, okay, takes the pressure off. I think the good thing about writing, the more you can find things that take the pressure off, then it helps you. One, actually, it's a good point you have to edit it down one thing that really helped me with the job was that it took the pressure off i didn't have to earn a living at writing the whole time i could earn a living i was lucky i had a part-time job that paid quite well it was as a doctor i could earn a living and then when i said i'm going to not going to write the money gig i'm going to write something else that really helped me Hmm. i never felt this kind of all crushing pressure as i must succeed as a screenwriter and that is if you can access that state of mind that's really helpful. Where, and like it's like in sports, isn't Because I'm a big sports fan, you know. And um, you see, hear that all the time in sports is that people choking under pressure. And it's those guys who can somehow perform at the highest level, but just not really care about it, who are the most successful. So, if you, I think there's a lot of overlaps, you know, that we don't talk about. That that and music as well. I mean, you know, some people can sing naturally, but they um, but they take singing lessons, so they have voice coaches and they work on it to get better and better so so people can write really well naturally but a lot of them just stop then and go well i'm not going to read anything learn about anything think about stuff because i'm going to spoil my gift you know it's like well, mm. no 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 other artistic form in the world does that yeah but it's sports singing music whatever people with talent try and double down on their talent by getting getting good as they possibly can be and using every everything they can to find that and I writers somehow maybe it's more of the english thing. i think it probably is actually sort of just don't no no i'm not gonna read a book why would i read a book you know like, well you don't have to do yeah. what the book says but at least read it yeah
1: you know? yeah very cool That's well that a, is a, a got, great place to end up and you've been very very generous with your time uh please stay on the call just for a little bit after this but sure. um We'll wrap up this interview here and uh, Dan, I really, really appreciate you enlightening us to um, how things are done in the UK, how it's different than here, things that we can learn also. And uh, I do wish you the best of luck with your company and, and all of the shows that you're doing and your doctor work too.
0: That's great. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to speak to you.
1: And that's it for today. Please watch for new episodes every Tuesday on all of the places you can find the podcast. Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, the tvwriterpodcast.com site, or also at scriptmag.com. Please do subscribe. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Grey Jones is my handle. Also, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do it for as little as 25 cents per episode. You can find out how you can become a patron of the podcast or a sponsor of the podcast at tvwriterpodcast.com slash support. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.